The Approaching the Natural podcast with Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid is the author of Approaching the Natural, a Health Manifesto, a certified nutritionist, health coach, and programs director at the Stanford Inns Wellness Center on the Mendocino coast of California. Hello, small steppers. Sid Garza-Hillman here. Welcome to my show, my weekly podcast, where I bring to you my thoughts and perspectives on living better in the modern world, how to do what we do better, how to be a more natural human being, but not nutty, nut, nut natural. What do I mean by nutty, nut, nut natural? Well, you know, just just trying to be so natural that you become a nutty nut. That's as scientific as I can get on that. You know, you're just going too far with it. Okay, you can only go so far. I beat that subject ad, to just ad nauseum last week. So I'm not going to revisit it. If you're just joining me, go back and listen to last week. And for that matter, every week before now, that's what I'm talking about. But welcome to one and all. Um, this is really about, uh, for real, not joking, um, about how to live better. What that means is it is a bigger picture than just one area of focus. One just food, one just exercise, one just family relationships, one just work. It's a mixture of all those things. How do we attend to the things of our lives? Our, our lives in the, in the modern world are very complicated. It's so far past the ship sort of left the harbor on what are my basic needs today to survive? I just need to find food and shelter and, oh, that line's over there. So I kind of got to get away from that that one thing. Now we have all the things that we do, all the the busyness of our lives. Just everyone's very, very busy. So am I. Just we're busy. We got, we got stuff that is filling our days. So busy that we feel like sometimes health and even maybe sometimes happiness are sort of like, I'll get to that later. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. It's too much to think about that on top of just what gets us through the day. So this podcast is here and I am here each week to say, well, wait a second. No, because we can find the time. Number one, it's there, but it's in moments. Number two, It's a way of us changing our focus to say, as busy as we get, are there things that are definitely not life and death? Yeah, for sure. And are there things that we spend time with that we could maybe cut into a little bit to allow for a little more us to to peek on through there? there? Are there things that we do, whether they be TV shows or even work, you know, where we just get so busy with work, but then go... This isn't, I don't have to do this right now. Like, this is a big thing for me. Like, I'll check my email all weekend, but there's, and I'll respond to stuff. And it's like, it's just not necessary. These are things I don't have to respond to. I can do that in a, in a sort of partition time. I could just do it. I'll do all my responding on Monday mornings for two hours and then I'm good. But, you know, we get swept up and it's, I got to do it now. I got to do this now. I got to do that now. Next thing you know, years have gone by and we're not attending to our lives in a healthy way. So I come here each week to discuss that with you guys. Not, not with you so much as at you. I'll discuss it with people when I'm on their podcast or when they are on mine, but mostly I'm talking at you. Does that seem demeaning? I don't know how to get around that. I can't hook up a wire to everybody listening to this podcast and allow for a free-for-all. It would just be the freaking English parliament, just right, right on the podcast scene. Just, um, hold on. Mm. Uh, no mushroom coffee today, you guys. No mushroom coffee. You want to know why? Uh, couldn't stomach it. You know what I did? 
I made a, a cup of my, in my little one-off thing, and it's fantastic. And I'm and I'm better I'm a better man for it. If you're just joining me, um, let's see. I've covered the British Parliament, which I refer to as English. Same thing. I mean, can we just be honest here? Really, can we be honest? Scotland, you're English. Just get over it. I may have just started a war. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. To th- thank you to everybody, by the way, who who comes here every week. It's I I I I. I don't know what to say. I'm glad that you join me. It's kind of amazing to me in, in some fashion because I didn't put billboards along Highway 10, you know, of, of Approach the Natural Podcast. It just has reached people all over the world via word of mouth and, you know, wherever else I am in the world. And um, and it's just growing and awesome and I'm hearing great things. And so thank you to all of you who just come here every week. That's an incredible thing that, that, you, that you listen to what I have to say. And I hope that, um, uh, otherwise I wouldn't do this, but I hope that you, that you get some out of it and that it affects your life positively even in minimal ways is to me in this world that's something right and i'm happy about it okay um and to those of you who go one step even beyond that to throw me some uh loose change every month uh or throw a review down on itunes or a rating or on amazon all that kind of stuff it's just cool and thank you and i'll take it okay with that said i do a a meal plan with with uh, no meat athletes called health made simple and uh, that's been going really well. So you can check that out if you're into sort of learning how to small step your way into healthy eating. Nomeatathlete.com slash meal dash plan dash system. Okay, we have to do live Q&As and all sorts of cool, cool stuff. If you're just uh, joining me, I am a certified nutritionist. I refer to myself as a small steps coach because my work with clients is goes way beyond food. Tell you that much. That's the first five minutes. And then it's like, let's get to work. Um, and so you can find out all about me at SidGarzaHillman.com, including even buying some cool Approaching the Natural podcast stuff, Nutty Nut Nut t-shirts. I noticed in the beginning of this podcast that I referred to Nutty Nut Nut in a negative way. And I have to tell you that like Nutty Nut Nut for me is 98% positive and ruined by 2%. That I, that really to me don't shouldn't even be referred to as Nutty Nut Nut because Nutty Nut Nut is kind of always a good, it gets good nutty nut nut, right? Because if you're a small stepper and you're pursuing your life in ways that are truly about real self-care, about self-esteem, about self-confidence, about learning how to build in moments so that you can, on a daily basis, assess and consider your life. Think about how we go, I, I can't, I'll, on vacation, I'll have a few moments of reflection. But small steppers, every day, we reflect, we reflect Every day. That's crazy. That is nutty nut nut. That's not the norm. Do you understand? That is not the norm. And it's not because anybody's bad. And it's not because anybody's unintelligent. It's because everybody, including me, is swept up in the madness of news and advertising and jobs and family. And some of that stuff is amazing. And some of that stuff is not amazing. But we're swept up in it regardless. If we can eke out even a minute of a day to reflect, are you kidding? We don't need mountains in the Himalayas, we, which I think is a redundancy. Mountains in the Himalayas. I don't know what that means. Can somebody school me on cartography? Um, I don't have a map at my disposal. I wish I had something like a, almost like something that would compute stuff that had a keyboard that I could search things via wires to find out information like that. I don't. Um, anyway, so it's, it's, it's just what I do. It's what I do here every week. I come here and argue that if you listen to me, if you would just freaking listen to me, 
then I can teach you how to avoid having to pay for flights to the Himalayas and be able to reflect on a daily basis in your life. And via that reflection, make adjustments and changes over time that are real and long-lasting and for the good of you. And because they're for the good of you, they're for the good of everybody that you come in contact with. Boom. I win the argument every week. I've, I hands down, every never have I gotten somebody during this podcast when I'm recording it say, no, I, I disagree. Now, 100% of people have, have, have agreed with me. And it's because I'm right. Um. What else? I am look. I'm staring. Uh, I work at the Stanford Inn, by the way. I I head up head up their wellness center, their wellness center. I am the nutritionist there too. Had a couple of good classes this week. Um, a really nice lady came up for a couple of days to do gardening and cooking and and nutrition. I am like the cooking guy now. Like I always did backup cooking classes. Like if if the chef instructor was out of town, but she's on pregnancy leave. So guess who's doing the freaking cooking? Me, chef me. I'm okay. I, I can I can wield a knife. Okay, I've just never done it in a kitchen, but now I'm doing it in a kitchen. Uh, mm. This coffee's so good. I don't want to get cold. I'm just I'm just racing through it. Um, so what was I gonna say? Oh, so and via my website SidGarzaHillman.com, you can find out like how to donate and also where I am on social media and all that kind of stuff that I'm totally losing interest in. I am facing down, as I was saying, a busy week. This is what I got going. Aside, this is by the way, aside, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, but I'm working, I'm deep into the book right now, like deep into the writing book. It was it was neat to see it on Amazon for pre-order for like a minute. And then it just became Oh man, this thing's on Amazon for pre-order. I gotta, I gotta get the thing done. And uh, it's the title: "Raising Healthy Parents: Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family." I still like that title. I love the cover. It's got two little like video game characters. It's cool. They did a good job on it. And um, yeah, so that's cool. But anyway, it's there, and there's so there's kind of pressure on it. I'm in this place where. I've written a first draft, um, like pretty much a first draft. There's little tweakies, but first draft. Now I'm going back and and, and editing, and I'm I'm old school that way. I print out. I pr- actually print it out on paper, recycled paper. Okay, I'm not going to get all you know aggro with somebody on the recycled front. It, it's recycled. But but I'm old school that way. I print it out, and I and I with a pen cross out and change and cross out and change, and so. I did the book in the books in two sections. So so now I'm in the second section and I pr- I wrote it and then I yeah, I'm changing sort of on the way and then I print out that first first print out of, of of it and and I go through it with a pen and I and making changes and and writing things in the margin and it's a lot and I'm going wow there's a lot of changes this is crazy. Then I go back and I incorporate all the changes. I put them in the word in Microsoft Word and get all the changes in and then I print it out one more time just to do another quick read through only to find just as many changes again. And it's so like I keep thinking, okay, this will this will be a fraction of the first pass. This will be a uh, 10% of that first pass. This will be 10% more changes. Just maybe some typos and instead just black ink everywhere. So now for 4 days I've been just in the second pass. That's how many changes. It's just killing me. And I'm only afraid that when I finish this pass and get those changes in, that sure enough, I'm going to freaking print it out again and that, do that again. And by the way, as I said last week, I, due dates come and gone. No magic fairy like I was hoping last week. No magic fairy came through and sent it off, finished it up for me. And f- the Keebler elves didn't come and finish my my draft and send it to my editor. Um, yeah, so there you go. Mm. But on top of that, 
I got a speaking. I'm leaving on Tuesday for the night. Uh, Lisa and I are going down. Uh, I'm doing a little uh, talk for a, a medical group thingy, retreat thingy. And they're putting me up at this really nice winery down in Napa and so, or St. Helena, one of those wine places where the people drink and talk the wine. And um, they're putting me up at a, at a winery. And so uh, I was like, hey, um, can I bring my wife? Because I hate to waste a really nice view, just me and my laptop, because that is just writing my book, just not being able to look up at Vines. So Lisa's going down with me, and I'm going to do the talk and hang out at a little reception there. And then we get to have like a night away. How great is that? It's amazing. So I'm really happy about that. We haven't been away for a very long time. So that's looking forward. We drive back the next day, following day, back on the car, back down to the Bay Area to fly to Marshall, Texas, where I'm very excited uh, about what's going on there. So I, I talked about all the talks I'm doing last week. So if you can go back and listen to that podcast, suffice it to say, I'm there from March 31st to April 2nd. Uh, Garth Davis is going to be there, buddy of mine. Jocelyn Johnny's going to be there. I'm going to just be drinking and smoke. Oh my God, it's a health fest. That's disappointing. I really, for just until now, thought that this was going to be just me in 1989, but it's not. I'll be in New York May 20th and 21st, and that's NYC Veg Food Fest, and then August 26th, 27th, Durham, North Carolina, at the Triangle Veg Fest. Okay, so let's get into this stuff a little bit uh, deeper. Here we go. Are you ready? Um, a lot of stuff going on with me this week, and I want to dive in. Some of it good, some of it bad. I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I have somewhat of the perspective of a of a uh, a small stepper because I'm a, a very, I've been small stepping for years, you guys. So even when it's bad, quote unquote, I'm air quoting just my ass off right now. Um, even when it's bad, and this whole podcast is one big air quote. Like I didn't actually say I'm just it's just quoting it. Um, it is uh, when things seem kind of bad. I have enough perspective to say two things. One, it's going to turn around because. How many more times does this have to happen? It just it doesn't keep getting worse generally, and and if it does, you won't hear from me on the podcast because it's just going to slippery slope down to just just horribleness. But the second thing is that usually I can parse out some positive aspects of what's going on, so I can look at it sort of differently. But even beyond that, a third thing emerges, which is I can. As a small stepper, because I have moments, I can I can apply those moments and direct those moments to appreciate the things that are great and working well and and happening and that we we lose sight of in the midst of stress and think it's all going to hell, but it's really not all going to hell. It's just in our lives and in the drama that occurs, or and I don't mean that pejoratively, just, just drama, you know, stuff that you gotta deal with and it's upset or whatever that is. I'll get into that a little in, in a few minutes, but when that stuff presents itself, it can take over so far that we don't even go like, yeah, but my kids are here and I'm having dinner with them and that's amazing and fun. And if only I could have a moment to stop for a second and realize that maybe this other thing's kind of nutty, but this is cool right here. And so I can sort of break out of the crazy and, and enjoy what I've got right now. That's the that's the small steppers, one of the many small steps benefits of being a small stepper. Small steps benefit of being a small stepper. You You heard it here first. Um, but that's the truth. Perspective, finding lessons and or information and or silver linings in, in things that are generally upsetting or whatever. Third, in the midst of all that craziness, finding moments to appreciate the things that 
are 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 great and that's um that lowers the overall stress of the whole deal anyway so it allows you to kind of handle the quote unquote bad stuff better the small steps lists that we do the me not me game that we do the first task that we do you know what all those have in common they lower overall stress they bring us out of ourselves in a way they say these are tools that say Come on, come on, come on, you who's always been there deep down but hasn't been expressing himself or herself in the world that well. Come on, healthy eater who hasn't been healthy eating for years but knows the info but just having trouble. Come on out. Small steppers, small steps list says, come, come, let me just come out for a few minutes right now. You can go back. It's I understand it's safe back way back there in the dark, but just peek your head out. It's pretty cool out here. Once you come out, you'll get to be liking coming out. And once you come out, you'll start doing it more and more. But just just for now, like a minute. And just see what's out here. And that's pretty great. And then the identity changes and the and the and the personality changes and all these kinds of things emerge. And all of a sudden you're more you over time. How amazing. You do that by lowering your overall stress. You do that by getting past this mindset of I just have to get through the day. I just have to stay a lot. I'm so over the you know, the, uh, the, the, the lifespan issue of, you know, well, they're li- we're living longer than we ever have. Yeah. Hooked up to an oxygen tank. I don't, I'm not interested. I don't care about the, t- the, the number that we attach to somebody. I care about the, there's a quote. I can't remember who it is. Somebody write me an email and tell me what it is, but it's like, it's not the years in your life. It's the life in your years. That, that, that's, that's what small stepping is. It's putting life back into your years. It's not working a job that you can't stand and you're str- and fine, but you don't do anything else outside. And so you just do that job and then you retire and then you just do that thing and then you die and with nothing else to do. And it's like, no, that's years in your life. And the medical establishment might be able to keep you alive with, with medications and surgeries and oxygen tanks and, and, and pacemakers and amazing things. And they can keep you alive. And that's incredible. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm really not criticizing. It's amazing. But what's also amazing is you, even if you need that stuff, living at the same time. It's not staying alive. It's living. That's the thing. And I believe my approach says, okay, well, you medical, you guys do that thing and and I'll do this thing. And then together, uh, we're going to build a kick-ass person who enjoys their life and staying alive. Is that, does that work for everybody? I think it does. I think I won that round again. I'm, I'm like two for two today. Oh, mm. I'm still so proud. I'm reeling from last week's sport refer- sports references. Reeling. I felt kind of manly as I'm making sport references. Sports. I'll say sport. I'm making sports reference. That's even more more manly. Uh, if you say I'm making sport references, and you, you I kind of miss. I'm just kind of showing my true colors there. I made sports references. I made references to sports, uh, and so I kind of felt like I should grow a beard, you know, and wear more flannel. Um, I felt lumberjackish. Uh, by doing that, I was pretty proud of myself. Pretty good, right, guys? Good. I can t- I can twist a screw or a nail, whatever they do, whatever you twist to build stuff. I can do that. Um, the part of the small steps thing, uh, the the mindset, the ethic, if you will, because I do, is that that you are in it for the long haul, and and there is the the rub because it's always like, well, yeah, but I can do it faster over here, but you really can't because we're talking about it. And what I wanted to, to say here is, is everybody who gets into a diet to lose weight secretly or and, and, and 
secretly to themselves, really, wants to lose weight forever. I've never met somebody who says, and you may be out there, I've just never met you, somebody that says, yeah, I don't care about being like at a healthy weight forever. I just want to get it done by April 30th, 30th because I have a party. I just want to lose 21 pounds in 21 days because the last day will be April 21st and that's the day of the party. And so I want to, and then after that, I don't care if I gain weight back. I'm never going to another party. I'll tell you that much. That All that work for that party, Christine is not, not worth it that much. And so you get to that party and then you're done and then you just, and then just donuts and Twinkies and ding dongs. Oh my, forever. Cause you don't care. I've never met somebody like that. I've met people who want so badly to lose weight. And again, it's weight loss for somebody, fitness for another person. I don't, I don't know. Better skin for another person, uh, better fitness. I don't, I don't know. But I've, but I, nobody that I've ever met or even heard of wants to get to that goal and then just chuck it all. But that's what happens. And, and, and it's because I don't think there's enough attention to the fact that what you really want is to reach a healthy weight and to be at a healthy weight. You want to be somebody, a person who is at a healthy weight. Okay, well, now we're talking not about weight. Now we're talking about identification. Now we're talking about mindset. Now we're talking about you as a person. You want to change who you are. If you want to be the exact same person you are, but weigh 122 pounds on the scale, impossible you you have to if unless you can just do that for and and gain it all back that's where it's possible the diet is will get you to 122 you really don't have to change who you are because after you hit it and the diet's over you gain it all back and and resume the business as usual as you but if you want to stay at 122 pounds and ideally healthy wise do it uh that's a change of mindset and that that ain't gonna get done in 21 days that that no diet is even equipped to even broach that subject, first of all. And second of all, even if it were, it wouldn't be long enough to do it. Changing your mindset, changing you into what I believe you truly are is a long freaking time. That's changing a mindset. That ain't about a scale. And I think there's power in simply, it's like last week's, you know, get the clear the air, which is at least be clear on what you, and I have, by the way, zero judgment. If you were like, Sid, I actually really just want to lose the weight by April 21st. I don't give a crap what's after. I'm totally happy getting overweight and being unhealthy again. And I would say, great. I don't, I actually really, this is not a joke. I, I, I would probably argue that you would be surprisingly even happier if you felt better in your body. But I can't really speak to that. I don't know how somebody feels in their body. I know that there's a drive, and the reason why diets are so popular is because I think people do want to feel better in their bodies. I think that's pretty clear. I think our bodies are designed to be healthy, so I kind of make the argument there. I, I argue health. I don't argue weight. I argue health. I think people feel better. They're in better moods. That's proven for real. Just feeling good in your body, but also just on a bacterial in the gut level and the, the, how that affects mood and things like that. It's, it's real. But if you just said, I don't, yeah, but I don't really care. It's not like I can say John Goodman's miserable because he's overweight. He may be the happiest guy in the world. I don't know. But for those of you who go like, I want to do better in my life. I expect better of myself, which I think is just such a, I I think I talked about it last week or the week before. Um, I think I talked about it last week, which is expectation. But I wanted to add one thing, which is it's such a great self-compliment to to say, I expect more of myself. What a, what a way to compliment yourself to say, I expect more out of myself. Because if you didn't 
believe that you could do it. And if you had no self-respect, no self-confidence, you would just give up on yourself. But if you expect more, you're complimenting. You're going, man, I'm an ass kicker because I expect more. It's like a kid. If you you don't even expect your kid to get good grades, you're just like, yeah, they're going to get Ds. I, I, I I ain't expecting more out of that kid. That's not a vote of confidence. But if you go, you know what? You're not studying hard. I expect you to get A's. That's saying... You you can do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do this to you. But I know you got it in you. What a compliment! You're you're smart enough to get A's. That's amazing. You're just saying somebody's very very smart um, by expecting more out of them. And usually, people will rise to those expectations, including when you expect those things out of yourself. But I just want people to always be or get to the point where they can be honest enough to say, I, I do want to lose weight, but that's not the whole story. The whole story is. I and I want to keep it off. When you that second half there is what will lock you into never doing a, a, a quick fix diet again because you'll then start looking for tools that deliver you the actual thing that you want. And if you say I want to keep it off forever, you're going to start looking into ways to say uh, maybe this diet uh, will help me learn a few cool recipes, but I'm not relying on it to to help me keep the weight off. Uh, I've got to figure out a way to do that. And then again, it's that's mindset. That's figuring out who you are and trying to be that person more and more over time. And boy, oh boy, you want to change who you are. And and and, and what you eat is, is one of the things that you do for sure. And, and that is going to change when you decide that you want to be healthier. That's one of the things. But understand that that nothing is in a vacuum. You don't you don't change your diet and then nothing else changes in your life. It affects everything. I've talked about this a few times, which is even the people in your life are affected by you eating better, sometimes negatively, you know, where they're after you because you're eating better and therefore it's a statement about them, et cetera, et cetera. But it also changes the way you shop and the way you cook and in your family dynamic and and then your body changes and that changes people's perceptions of you and 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 perceptions of yourself and all these things change. And so you got to understand that any change you make, even though you think it's about a scale weight, has has ramifications well beyond that one little narrow focus that you have on the scale and or on the diet. It goes well beyond. Amazingly, I mean that's great. That's great news. It just works better when you when you're aware of it. It works better when you when you go, yeah, I don't really want to lose weight so much as get to a healthy weight and stay there. Okay, well that changes everything. Then I'm not going to waste my time willpowering, draining my willpower through a 21 day diet. I'm going to actually try to find a path that yields actual long term health. And who knows? So like I'll come back to that Wim Hof program that I did. And by the way, I've been listening to that um, Plant Power podcast that I was on. And because uh, Bree listens to it, she goes, "Oh, you're on." I didn't realize you were on it, but but on that podcast, I I was talk. He was asking me all about Wim Hof, uh, and I hadn't talked about it in a while. So a few episodes here. But for those of you just joining me, I did the whole ten week thing, and 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 by way of 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 using that in my own practice to say I didn't think that I was going to achieve anything, but I was very um in 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 ten weeks, other than learning how to do the things that he does as a tool. And and in and that sense, it's a it is a mindset change to say I'm not doing that ten week thing to change everything. I'm doing that ten week thing to set me up for actual long term change. Well, now here I am, months later, still doing it, and it is great, and it's happening, and it is changing, and it's part of my life now. It really is like I just do it all the time. I do it all every day. Haven't missed a single day. Have not missed a single day. Since July, I mean, I'm going to very soon be a year where 365 days, or if I miss a day, whatever, I don't care. But 
pretty close to 365 days a year come July, I will have done the breathing and the, and the cold therapy. And it feels amazing. And I love it. But that 10 weeks was just a jumping off point. That's it. That's it. But I knew that. I knew that. So therefore, there was no expectation of these massive results that, that I was somehow then going to achieve and basically set my up, myself up to fail because no massive results really happened that fast. So there wasn't this like, at the end of 10 weeks, I'm going to be able to swim under the ice caps and, and set world records and be whatever. It was like, oh, this will be great. 10 weeks, I'll kind of maybe get a good sense of what that system is. And, and then I'll be able to assess if this is something I want to take on or what parts of it I like that will fit for my life. And I'll use those things and continue the work if I want to. If not, then I won't. Great. No failure. No failure. No weird setups. Just, just, okay, that's a good thing to learn. If you guys look at diets as something to learn, how cool is that? Then go at, have at it. Do every diet you want. Oh, I want to learn to eat this way and I want to learn that. Those are really interesting things. Those are cool. None of those things are going to give me results that are going to be long lasting unless I then take what I learn and apply it for the rest of my life. Then, then, okay, then. Got it? Okay. Um, I guess I should mention my YouTube channel. I'm actually recording this podcast episode today on a Sunday, which I'm going to start trying to do, but I post my videos on Monday. And so I don't know what the video is going to be about. Now, that's interesting, right? Because I've already, in theory, shot a bunch of stuff, which I have. I just don't know what it's about. So I can't really talk about it. If that's enough of a, uh, a cliffhanger for you, please go subscribe to my channel. That's all I can say. Subscribe to my channel. Okay? All right. Thank you. I'm glad we had this little, it, was, it got a little heated there, but then everything worked out okay. Speaking of this, speaking of getting heated. This actually happened. Um, uh, and this is going to lead me just so smoothly into the subject of this week's podcast. It'll be effortless. You will just be like, well, how did we get here? It was amazing the way that he segued. I was at the end of the other night, and this uh, woman that I know, she's a MD, very, very lovely woman. She's, she's awesome and just gorgeous and like in her mid 60s and just healthy and vibrant and just, she's so cool. I love seeing her. I saw her in Arizona recently. And, Anyway, so she's at the end and she has these friends and she said, I want to meet them. And, and I probably shouldn't be like getting this specific about this, but I'm gonna because it was kind of an, uh, annoying. I'll put it that way. Um, and so, so I walk over to the table and I'm like, hey, I'm chatting to chatting. And this guy, the, her friends, husband and wife, the guy says, hey, uh, you're a nutritionist. You know, I've got genetic insulin resistance. And I said, okay. And uh, my cardiologist and I, I think I said something snarky. I I did. I shouldn't have. I said, well, well, there, you lost me there. That wasn't very nice, was it? Because I knew he was going into diet and I have a thing. Um, and by the way, there's, I'm, I, I'm, look, whatever. I'm not going to dig myself out of that hole. It's what it is. Uh, and so, so, so he said, you know, I, I, my cardiologist said I can, I can consume no carbohydrates. And I can't do that on a, this is at the, the inn, which is a vegan, vegan restaurant. Uh, I can't do that on a vegan diet. I was like, well, there's de definitely, you know, like way high protein stuff. Like spinach is 40% protein. It's got pro more protein than most beef for crying out loud. Um, but his wife is a doctor. Just hand goes up. Just no, it's, it's genetic. You, you can't do it. You can't, no carbohydrates. She starts talking. And I go, I've just, I've never heard, you know, like, what about fat? Because that plays a bigger role in diabetes than even the carbohydrates do. And, and excess protein, same thing. And there's a, by the way, an insulin response to protein when you eat protein. And there's a way that the body converts protein into glucose to use. 
gluconeogenesis, it's called. The body will use it as a fuel source. It's not the most efficient fuel source to use protein, but you but the body will do it. So I'm going, but 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 I but what about fat? No, no, it's genetic, it's insulin resistance. His parents had it, it's what it is, and that's just how it goes. And I was like, and it just was like so dogmatic and just just annoying to me because like this kind of like here's a medical doctor who was not trained in nutrition but because they have the authority of the md they're just going to speak on subjects they're just not trained for and it would just be like me getting super dogmatic about some antibiotic no that antibiotic sucks ass you know like i'm just not going to do that i'm not trained in drug in drugs i don't that's not what i do it's not my bag at the same time i don't know everything about nutrition so i was I felt pretty, oh, Jeff was standing next to me and I was like, did I? And he's like, no, it's fine. Um, I begged off. Like as soon as it got weird and heated, I was like, yeah, okay. But what I said was, I thought was gracious. I said, please, to my friend, please email me what you got on this because I've never heard of this before. I've never heard of a gen- 100%, not a disposition, but a 100% genetic, re- just insulin resistance where there's just, you got the genes that are turned on or turned off, whatever that is, that make you insulin resistance, and that's what it is. End of story, period. No, I, I don't even know how somebody like that would live, but but I have never seen it, and I'm and I of course willing to say, I grant you that. I don't know everything. Please send me what you got. <clears throat> then I begged off and go went to talk to <clears throat> positive, joyful people. Oh. Now my coffee's cold. You guys got me all ramped up, and now my coffee's cold. Okay. So moving on, so I go upstairs, and at the, I'm still at Stanford, and I go upstairs, and I and I get on my laptop, and I start searching because I'm I am curious. I'm going like, wait, I, this is so weird. Like I've never heard of anything like this. So finite, right? So just like, yes, I can't really find anything. I can't find something that just says this is what that is. There are genetic dispositions. I'm I'm looking. I'm finding that. I'm which I get fine, but still, if it's a genetic disposition, then things like food lifestyle can usually make make uh, can affect dispositions. I have a genetic disposition to asthma by giving up dairy in 1992, my asthma went away. So there there's your genetic disposition. I'm I'm genetically disposed to gaining weight. I gain gain weight very very easily and quickly, but I'm not overweight because I know how to adjust for that account for that in my actions. Dig? I can't find anything. So I'm looking, right? So then I go, here's what's cool in being sort of in the circuit of VegFest and things like that, I've, I've become friends with with some pretty freaking amazing, uh, knowledgeable people, way not more knowledgeable than I. One of whom is Garth Davis, a medical doctor out of Houston who wrote a book called Proteinaholic. He's been on my podcast. I highly recommend you go back and find that episode and listen to it. I can't even remember what episode it was. But just search on Garth Davis, Approaching the Natural Podcast. It'll come right up. So I emailed Garth and I go, here, here's the thing, Garth, like, uh, here, I, I recounted what happened and I said, can you give me what you got on this? Cause I don't know. And I know that he dealt with diabetes a lot in his book, Proteinaholic, which I again, highly recommend. So, uh, he writes me back like an hour later and he's like, there's no evidence of genetic insulin. I swear to God, there's no evidence of a hunt, just full on genetic insulin resistance. He says, quote, People's people's families have it, and so they think it's genetic, but there's no evidence to show that. At most, it's a predisposition, and quote, a vegan diet, and he doesn't mean, he. I know what he means, which is whole plants, like not vegan, like, you know, potato chips and french fries, but like actually whole plant-based, can reverse most of those. 
right? Unfreaking believable. So right from the horse's mouth, and I'm not saying Garth is a horse. He's, he's a very, very strong, strapping man, much like a thoroughbred, but I'm not saying he's a horse per se. So I emailed my friend, who's the doctor, and I said, you might want to, if you catch her in more of a nicer place, then give her this information and tell her to buy Garth's book. But I'm not going to freaking have this conversation anymore because I'm over it. God mighty. Can we just have a conversation and not get all nutty nut nut about food? If you, this is why I devalue food at the level that I do. This is why in my practice and on this podcast and in my videos, I try to let's even things out and let's stop thinking about food so much because two reasons. One, we know enough already. Two, if we think about food so much, then we get protective about food. And then we start being blind to truths and 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 facts because, for, oh my gosh, it's going to affect the food that I love. Eat the food you love, but don't let it blind you to the truth or at least as far as we understand it now, given the research, such that if you want to make a change, you can make a change. Again, I don't never told anybody to stop eating cheese. But don't eat cheese and then try to convince yourself it's good for your bones. It's not good for your bones. Eat it. But don't be blind to the fact that it's junk food. It has no business in your body, and it's going to cause you to have potentially less healthy bones. Just know that. Then maybe that'll affect how much cheese you eat, or maybe you don't care. And I got no judgment there either. But 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 to 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 be so hooked into your food and what you love and the food that you love and the food that you want to eat and dare I say food that you're addicted to because food is addictive to me and everybody else it's just a question of like what food are you addicted to or whatever but but if you're so just locked in and just heels dug in so severely that you can't even listen to a conversation about something that's alternative that might tip you to think maybe you could or should change your diet, then you are a cl- then you're closed off to to, to life. You, I'm just going to make that sweeping statement. You're you're spending a lot of energy closing yourself off. You're spending a lot of energy protecting something that I would say maybe isn't even you to protect. Dig. Here's my flawless segue. I'm going to talk about home base today. And, and in large part, what I am talking about is protection. That's what I will end this little diatribe with, which is protection. Often in my classes and in my, with my, in my, mostly in my client work, but I've probably mentioned it now, I don't know, 184 episodes later at some point. But what I recommend on a very, very home, practical, mundane level is to make your house uh, a sanctuary of sorts, as much as I don't like the word saying, ah, it's not a bad word, sanctuary. And here's what I mean. We are so bombarded with choices uh, in the food realm, for instance, that it can be overwhelming to us. And I argue that often health and happiness come from less choice, come from being very clear that our needs are very simple to be happy and healthy. And when we understand that, we can say, we, we, we are not so swept up into the plethora of choices, but man, with our guard down, choices are just a bunch. They're just too many. There's in, in some time. I mean, think about entertainment, TV shows nowadays. I mean, God, every other person goes, you've got to see this show. Oh, no, you've got to see this show. Oh, no, you've got. It's like mind blowing. I can't see all the shows that people are recommending to me. I want to, but I can't do that and everything else. The choices are crazy. I also just don't want to expend a lot of energy thinking about all the choices. So with the home, with food, I'm going to come back to food just because it makes sense to me. To not have the light box food, if you're just joining me, go get your, put your email address in my website and get free chapter of my book. It'll explain what light box foods is, foods are. Um, to make your home a, a primarily heavy box 
place means that when you're at home, you actually have less choice. You're not having to grapple and expend the energy that comes with choosing and what do I feel like? Oh, I feel like this, but I shouldn't. I hate the word. I shouldn't have this. I should have this. But all this wasted energy that you could be applying to producing and creating something or, or contacting your family or friends to say hi, all this just battling. So to make your, your house a bit of a sanctuary. And so the title of this episode is Home Base to say, what is the, what is the benefit of having a home that is about security? that is about a reflection more of who you are, but is also a place of safety to not, to, to be less temp, tempting to put you, it's a place that you put yourself less in places of conflict. Do you see what I mean? It's having less choices in your house so that you're not as much in conflict. That means you have a way less chance of regret and guilt and shame from doing something you actually don't want to do. You put Ben and Jerry's in your in your freezer, and that's your trigger, that's your trigger food that most times you eat it and you eat too much and you feel crappy about it, you're setting yourself up for guilt and shame and regret. I shouldn't have done that. You take Ben and Jerry's out of your house and leave it for the times that you're at a party or some special occasion that's not in your home, and you're in your home, and you go to the freezer because you had a bad day and there's no Ben and Jerry's there, and instead you have you know a nice cup of tea and you kind of mellow out and you, and you feel fine. You dissipate the stress, you're feeling good, but also no guilt, no shame, which ends up spiraling into more guilt and shame. You guys know the deal, right? So it's about creating this home base, this place where, where, where the craziness of the world is what it is. It's too big for us to change any one person. Got it? But when we walk in our door and we walk in our kitchen and we walk in our family and, and the house is this place of security, it feels good. It's organized in a way that works for us. It's calming. It's nutritionally better. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, it's a place where there's less choice. It's a place where there's safety and security and a foundation. And, and it's, and therefore it's less struggle. And all I'm thinking now in this episode, what I was thinking about today and last few days in crafting it is to say, okay, let's start with that idea that to creating this home as a place of sanctuary. And then now let's broaden it out from there. And I remember when we had our kids, um, well, mostly when we had our first daughter, Luna, when when we were doing, you know, what parents do some, which is reading about parenting books and all these kinds of things. And we were really, uh, no pun intended, attached to attachment parenting. Again, wherever you sit on this philosophy is is really neither here nor there. So please don't get into like, well, I don't believe in attachment parenting. I want to use it as a as an example of what I'm talking about in this episode. But we we did we did and do still. Uh, practice it. We believed that it made sense to us. It was the Sears, Doctor Sears, you know, they're the husband and wife team that that put that together. And um, an interesting, like Mr. Spock, uh, do, sorry, Doctor Mr. Spock, star. So the Star Trek guy, no, Doctor Spock, came around on this, which is interesting. Like in the seventies, when I grew up, it was like non-attachment parenting. But then he himself did a one eighty on that, and, and based on research, was like actually this is kind of a better way to go. Neither here nor there. It worked for us. Okay. But the, the, the theory is, is that when you create security in the home, when you create a place where, where children, of course, I'm writing a, kid, a healthy families book, so this is like fully in my brain right now, so that's why I'm, I'm relating it to you in a non-children way. But the theory about it is that if you, if you, if you are there for your kids and you create, you know, you, you, you put them in bed with you when they're very young, 
uh, which is they argue and I believe a more natural kind of thing. I don't think we, we you know, when we were living in the wild, uh, notice how the paleo people don't do this. They just eat like paleo, but not any other other parts of their lives. Don't get me started. Sorry, I had to make that dick. But I don't think back in wild we had partitioned like you go sleep over there way down the way down the, the hallway in the forest to a, a blocked off area that I can't hear you in and I have to attach a baby monitor. We probably slept in groups. Just, just saying. And so it was sort of based on that. And the idea was the more secure you make the home for the child, the more of a place of, of safety and calm and not dysfunction and discord, right? This kind of home as sanctuary. Of course, I'm, I let it out to, to food, but in that realm, just in general, these, these concepts of, of, of safety and feeling secure in your home allow that child the confidence and security to then venture out. It, they're, they're more equipped to venture out when they've got that in place. The, the, the other side of that is a, is a house that is in disarray, that a house is, that is in, and I just mean like a, even emotional disarray where the parents aren't getting along and there's, there's arguing and fighting and there's insecurity and the parenting method is, you know, maybe mean or, or critical and the kid never feels secure and and but they want it and they're just looking for it all so much all the time that they're actually less inclined to go out into the world because they just don't have what they need they got to get this thing first i want to get this thing tied in first before i ever go out there it's too it's even scarier out there i got to get this thing here first creating a secure home a place where you're on firm ground a place where you have somewhere you have to return to a place to return to when you go off the rails. Now I'm back to us, right? So now we're in this thing of like, what is to me, what's the metaphor mean? Well, metaphor is like the first task that I talk about where you write who you are. That is the home. You're, you're creating when you create that, this very, very clear, very calm, very you environment that is that makes sense. It may not be how you're living, but it makes sense to you such that when things happen in your life, you have a place to, you have a base to come back to. And, and, and I, I just feel how, how, how ultra important that is because as we, you know, maybe make changes to the food we eat, let's say, and then we get the criticism from God knows everybody who just has a problem with what we're eating, even though it has nothing to do with them at all. And we get up in arms and we start to get upset about it and, and sort of we take the bait, you know, and we're just in it and we just don't want to be in it, but we're in it. Sometimes having, not sometimes, having a very clear picture of who we are is a home for us to return to, to quickly, as we feel our blood pressure rising, to say, this ain't us. I ain't getting into this. I'm, this is not my bag. This isn't about me. This is about them. And I got no business. I don't want to expend a, a moment of energy wasting an argument that I ain't going to win. That's kind of how I felt at the table. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. We're, we're good here. I'm going to go have fun talking to people about cool stuff. That's nice. Did I get a little bit, yeah, started creeping. And then I was like, you know what? Not my bag. It's not my bag. I've had this before where it's just like, yes, you're arguing with me not because of information. You're arguing with me because you think you have more authority. I, I, it's not my bag. I ain't going to get into that. Totally not worth my time. I'd rather just go into the facts and have cal enough calm to say, okay, really, what we're, what am, I could be wrong. I want to I be that guy too who says, I don't know everything. I'll give it to me. I'm open. I want to know. This is so cool. If this is that thing, I really did. I went upstairs. I was like, I want to know what this is because this is crazy. This would be amazing. I would love to know what that is. I found out that it was 
Oz, but neither here nor there. Back to this. Is it any wonder that people who do not have a firm footing of knowledge of who they are go to things like diets and self-help one after the other? There's no, they're not, there's nowhere for them to return to. They want the joy. They want happiness. They want lives. They want a good life and, and to do things. And they want to, they have general idea of what they want, but they don't know how to, they don't know who they are in the picture. They don't have enough information to say, I, I don't even know what that means for me. So I hope that this thing can deliver it. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, I hope this thing to, they, okay, this thing's gonna, that's got a shiny cover. That's gonna, oh, that didn't work. Okay, this one's gonna work because it has little containers that I put my food into. That's definitely gonna, oh no, this, okay, this one comes with a DVD and a, a diet plan. So that is gonna get me the life I want. And there's never a place where they return and say, whew, wait a second here. This, what do I want, want? Who, who, who am I? And when I find that out, lo and behold, there ain't that many ways to get that person on the scene except reflection, thinking, considering moments of asking what you actually want. If you don't ask and you don't reflect and you don't consider, then you don't, you're not on firm ground. You're not clear about who you are, and you're going to find the fastest way possible to make it seem like you're happy, and it's not real. It's just not real. And so what I'm talking about here is protection, and I don't mean insecure protection of I love my food and I'm going to protect it and screw you. I'm talking about consideration and reflective protection. To say, I have to protect myself better. I have to protect the me, the real me here. That's I got to know who that is. And then I got I to gotta develop myself to where I can protect that thing and hold it true and hold it sacred. Because it is, by the way, guys, the single most important thing to everybody, whether you like it or not, is knowing who you are. More important than your kids and your spouse and everything else because it affects all of them. The better you know who you are, then you protect. And when you're better at protecting, you keep it there and safe. And you have this place of sanctuary and safety to say, whatever craziness happens, I'm anchored in knowledge that very quickly I can decide and know what to do in any situation because I have this thing here. Now, where this happened and why I'm talking about this is because, um, and so before I go on, what I'm talking about here is, of course, like a literal home. I started and now I'm I'm into the figurative. So it's like creating that figurative home. Okay. Again, I'm in, I'm in the middle of a parenting book. So it's like all swirling around my brain, but my book is called Raising Healthy Parents because it's, this is about the parents, whether you have kids or not, this is about the adults. It it just is uh, for me. And, and, and then teaching kids how to use these things so that they become those self-same adults that can make decisions about their own lives, whatever those decisions are. Ain't my bag. Shouldn't be your bag either as a parent even. Like let your kids do what they want as long as they're happy and have the tools to pursue and protect themselves and know who they are. How great is that? My opinion. Okay, boom. But all this started was this week. And <clears throat> this is one of those weeks that you guys have all had where 
one thing after another. And I don't know, some parts, and I'm not like a woo-woo person. I think you guys know that about me. Like I'm not a, it's it's in the stars, man. But sometimes I go, holy crap, it's in the stars. Because this is just one, there'll be a series of like three or four days where just one crazy thing after another. That that doctor at the table, that was just the tip of the iceberg. There was three other things, actual things that happened this week that I was just like, okay, how many more? Can we get this done so I can get past this and go do something else? Because I got to write a book. So this is the last thing I freaking need. Um, but one of the things, <clears throat> sorry, one of the things that happened was was fairly serious and it involved my daughter. And I'm not going to get into details because it, it's neither here nor there. But my oldest daughter, Luna, had a thing at school. And it wasn't a thing with other kids. It was a thing with an adult teacher. It was not a good scene, okay? I had to jump in. Lisa and I both had to jump in. Like it, it, it quickly escalated to the point where I was like, "We're we're in big time, boom." And and this is kind of a touchy subject, so I'm sorry, but I'm going to be transparent here more than I probably would otherwise. But I have to just this is so important to me to relate to you guys that just bear with me and also don't tell anybody. I, I'm kidding. Um, and so uh, we realized it was time uh, that we 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 jump in. And we jump in big and we we put a, a can on this thing. But my daughter didn't want us to. And this is the this is the thing. And she didn't want us to because she w- didn't want to feel uncomfortable because she was embarrassed. Um, but I had a place and Lisa and I have that. She has a place for herself too, where there was literally no choice in the matter. My home base was so clear on this matter that I was 100% okay being the bad guy. Like, she, you know, my daughter was mad at me that we dealt with it. And I and I had a heart-to-heart with her and she got over it. But I said, I cannot be the parent that I know that I am and not deal with this. Absolutely impossible. And if you are mad at me and I have to be a bad guy, know it's because I love you. And, and that's got to be enough because I don't know what else to do. If I don't do it because you're mad at me because I'm insecure about that and I don't want to be not liked and I'm not I'm kind of not on firm ground and I don't really know. I don't really know. I just want to be liked and it doesn't feel good to not be liked. And so I want to react to that. Then I'm not doing my job as a parent. Then I suffer the repercussions of that for years to come. And that will also affect my further parenting, by the way. I ain't doing it. My job as a parent is to protect my children. That's first and foremost. And I protect them via those kinds of actions, but also healthy eating and exercise. And I protect them physically and mentally to the best of my capability. But there was never a question of should I not deal with this because it's uncomfortable for her or uncomfortable for me. That's the deal. And and that's why I don't sell you guys a discomfort-free program. I sell you guys the ability to learn how to be dis- dis- in discomfort better, the ability to struggle and understand struggle and be with struggle better, not do follow me and you have no struggle. That's, that's the opposite of my message. It was a hard week, but never, never in that moment did I say, oh yeah, I, I don't have to deal with it. And the thing I thought about it is as much as I, again, like I'm not woo-woo and like it's in the stars, Maybe it is in the stars. I don't know, so I don't really care. But multiple things happened. But I also had this realization. Every one of those things happened, I was involved with. It was not independent of me. I didn't have to discuss things with that table. 
They said, cardiologist told me to eat meat all the time. And I would have said, oh yeah, cool, cool. And just not gotten into it, fine. With my daughter, I could have just let it blow over. I could have said, you know what, just avoid and you're going to, it'll blow over. And I could have just not done that. I made choices to get in it, to get in the game, to bring the fight to my life. And I felt good about it. Do I do that 100% of the time? No. But man, it feels so good when I do. It so feels right. It's like I'm starting from home base. I'm very clear about where I sit on this. And if I don't do it, man, I'm going to feel really bad. And I I choose to get in the mix. So yes, it kind of seemed like it was in the stars because just one thing kept coming up after another. And it was just just like, what? Seriously, can I have a break here and write my damn book? But at the same time, it was like, okay, fine. Let me squash this thing out of existence as fast as possible so I can get back to my life, being with my family and my work and everything that I love. And I realized like there's a, a very direct parallel to food in a, in a way, which is maybe when you make that decision to eat better, the enjoyment of your meals goes down in the moment. It's a little bit of discomfort, but you're so aware of the big picture enjoyment. Like with this thing with my daughter, I'll be honest, it didn't feel good to have her mad at me. It doesn't feel good. So that was the discomfort of the moment, but there was at coexisting with that was a big picture happiness, a big picture. We're going to get through this. And, and I, I hope, and I could be wrong that she looks back on this when she gets perspective enough to say, my dad had my back when I needed it. And that was more, way more important to me in the moment than me being a good guy or a bad guy. And the way that we treat ourselves in the moment in our lives with regard to how healthy we are and the things that we do to make ourselves healthy and happier can be about discomfort in the moment. But if we have a good, strong home base, if we have a, an ethic of protection for who we truly are, whatever that, <clears throat> whatever that is, whoever that is, but we know, and we're so clear and we have an ethic of protection then we know that at any moment of discomfort or any moment of dysfunction or any moment of disarray that we have coexisting with it, this safety and security of self-knowledge and, and, and safety and, and, and I'm going to be okay because I know I'm going to be okay. And I know pretty sure that I'm going to get through this and probably be a better person for it, or at least I'll be able to take something away from it that is you know, beneficial to me in going forward, maybe how to do it better the next time. Being protective of your home base and having a strong home base is, is protecting what you hold most dear, which is the you in this. We don't want to get lost in the world. We don't want to lose ourselves ever, ever. We do sometimes, but we don't want to capital L lose ourselves where we just are gone and it ain't coming back and we don't know what to do. We're floating around and we got nothing under our feet to make us strong and true and, and honest with ourselves and powerful. We need that. We want that home base. It's not always going to be perfect. We know that. I know that. You know that. But the better you can be aware of who you are, then when these things come up, because they're going to come up and going to be again, and I don't know when that's going to be, and I hate not knowing when it's going to be. I wish I knew. Sid, on April 16th, uh, this person is going to piss you off, just so you know. And I'll be like, great, I'll get the facts ahead of time. And I'll have just research in my pocket. Oh, yeah? Well, how about this study? Boom, on the table. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be amazing. But short of that, 
I want to have in my own life and teach my children and have and and I want Lisa to have in her own life and you guys to have in your own lives a home base, a place of sanctuary, a place of clarity to which we can return and know what our next course of action is almost without fail, almost without choice. And there's your choiceless environment that I advocate for. Because I do believe that the more we know who we are, the less choice really even happens. There was no choice in how I handled this thing with my daughter. No choice. There would have been, I would have perceived a choice had I not had a strong foundation of who I am. Then I would have said, well, I could do this and I could do this. There was nothing. It was not a, not a single moment of deliberation. And it felt very liberating to be in that place of not having to choose and ponder and oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Indecisive. We get lost in that, as I've said. We are powerful when we know who we are. We're powerful when we know that in most cases, we know exactly what we're going to do or what we want to do. Whether we do it or not, that comes with time. But knowing it first, man, that's where the value is. That's what's sacred. All right, you guys. Okay. Home base. Boom. Did you guys think that I was making like a high school? Like I made it to home base. Made a score to home run. I had to finish with a sport reference. You guys are awesome. Okay. Thank you for everybody who supports me and however you do. It's great having you guys with me. If you didn't, it'd just be a lonelier, just weird thing that I'm talking to a computer. Okay. Email me at podcast at sidgarzahillman.com if you have any questions or comments. And I will be back next week after my crazy, crazy week. In fact, I'm probably going to record my next episode from Marshall, Texas, because I'll be uh, traveling on Monday. So I'll try to get that done in a hotel room and maybe have some guests who will come and say hi, which would be really fun. So I'll see how that goes. You guys are awesome. Take care of yourselves, will you? Will you take care of yourselves? You have no, I'm not even joking. I don't say that flippantly. It, make, it makes me feel better when I know people are fighting. They got to fight for themselves, okay? People can help you and that's great, but, but you, that's not it. You got to be there for you. Got it? I'll talk to you next week. Be well.
Back cover, back cover. Oh. 